experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me. The final days of summer are upon us. People are squeezing in those last vacation days. Kids are getting ready to go back to school if they haven't already. Labor Day is less than a couple of weeks away. That means that there's lower trade volume in the market, and that usually leads to more volatility. August and September always seem a bit more volatile to me. I've been saying the market is priced to perfection. That's just a nice way of saying it's expensive. 21 times forward earnings, normal to me, is about 17 or 18 times earnings. You know, and we haven't seen a 5% correction in, what, about 10 months since November? Folks, that's a long time. I think we've had about 50 new highs since the beginning of this year. We're just churning out these new highs. One by one, one, two points at a time. Nothing big, just a couple of points here, a couple of points there. New highs every day. And I've been talking about my view of the market for past few weeks now. And if you're interested, you can go back. You can listen to the previous podcast. But for today, for today, let me just give you a quick summary and then we can move on. So, as I said, the market's trading about 21 times this year's expected earnings. And that's expensive probably too expensive for the risk that is out there. And when I say risk, I mean coronavirus, inflation, geopolitical factors, the Fed capering. There's a lot that can go wrong here. And the market is priced for perfection. There's not much wiggle room for things to go wrong. And common sense should tell you that you should pay more for stocks when everything is right in the world because it's more predictable things are more predictable, and you should pay less when there's trouble out there. That's because things are less predictable. Bottom line is, is I'd like to see a normal type, you know, 5% type of correction and earnings to keep coming in. And together, that'll hopefully set this ship straight. But I could be a long time waiting for that. I never hang my hat on the big picture market calls, never. Because frankly, It's just too hard to predict what's going to happen over the short term. I'd rather look at good companies trading at reasonable prices and hold on to them for the long term. I think that's a much better way to go. This is where this type of market is where you're going to see good stock picking outperform passive strategies. If you'd ask me where I'd be looking now, I'd say things like healthcare for sure, the energy stocks, the industrials, some of the consumer discretionary stocks. My least favorite, or maybe it's where I'm just having the most trouble finding values, are probably the material stocks and the telecom slash media stocks. And I'm going to be talking about a company that I started buying here in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's talk about inflation for a minute, because I saw some interesting research last week. There's a lot of discussion about whether inflation is going to take off and be a problem. A lot of folks are worried about it. It's something that you certainly need to account for when you're doing your financial planning. I started talking about this back in January when I did my annual outlook uh, for the year. And at that time, 
I said that we could very well have some uh, have a transitory rise in prices. Since then, I've come to despise that term, transitory, just because it's being used so much. But anyhow, I thought that we'd have to deal with rising prices for a while. It's just common sense, right? Businesses were shut down. We weren't producing much. And when we eventually reopened, you would have this tremendous amount of demand for goods, the tremendous amount of demand for the goods that we weren't producing. And it would take a while for this supply to catch up with demand. Well, since January, when I made those comments, I've come to the conclusion, at least for now, that inflation may linger for a while longer than I initially anticipated it would. And I'm not talking about runaway type of inflation, but higher than what we've experienced over the last 20 years. I think it eventually settles around two and a half percent. That's just, of course, that's just a guess. Now, the real question is, for investors, is that bad for stocks? Not necessarily. BCA put out some uh, research on this, and it's in line with what others have said over the years. And I'll use CPI, the Consumer Price Index, as my proxy for inflation. According to their research, when CPI is below 3%, it doesn't affect the market's performance. It's when it gets into that 3 to 4% range that's when you're starting to see a slowdown in market returns. So the sweet spot is to have inflation between 2 and 3%. That's where equity mul- multiples historically have expanded the most. And equity multiples are how much investors are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings. But since they're already elevated, I, don't, I really don't know how much higher they can go, realistically go. Above 3% inflation, invest, investors are willing to pay less for a company's earnings. And that, to me, that just makes sense. And that's because what happens is, is when you have some inflation, companies are able to pass along those price increases to their customers and voila, companies' earnings grow. But once it crosses that line, then the Federal Reserve or the Fed, once it crosses that 3 4% line, that's when the Fed starts to raise interest rates. And it's higher interest rates that are bad for stocks, not the inflation. If I'm right, again, inflation won't get out of hand and cross the line. But the Fed will have to stop, uh, start mopping up some of the excess liquidity they've been providing during the pandemic or through the pandemic, I guess. This week, as I said, I started buying a stock for myself and for clients. I always say I eat my own cooking. And it's a consumer discretionary name. Bath and Body Works goes by symbol BBWI. It's trading around $67. Most of you have heard the name before, and that's not a guess on my part. According to them, more than 80% of women between the ages of 18 and 59, and better than 60% of men in that same age group actually know who they are. If you're in the minority, don't worry. No worries here. I'll fill you in. They're the leading fragrance retailer, and they operate across different product categories like 
home fragrance, you know, the air fresheners, potpourri, candles, that's about 40% of their sales. And then they have the body care and the fragrance. You can figure out what that is. That's about 35% of sales. And then they have the soaps and sanitizers, which is about 20% of sales. Bath and Body Works, they have about 1,750 stores spread across the country. Roughly a third of them are inside shopping malls. Another third is outside of the shopping mall. And then that last third, that's the mall that comes to you, the internet, online sales. So that's a pretty balanced split between their outlets or what folks like to refer to. It's omni-channel now. They do have about 3% of their sales coming from their international segment, but hey, it's 3%, so we're not really going to spend any time talking about that. Now, just to clarify, this company used to be called L Brands and traded under a different symbol. That's up until they spun off Victoria's Secrets, which I think was a great move. I thought that Victoria's Secrets has been headed in the wrong direction for a while now. So as you do your research, you're going to want to keep this in mind. Otherwise, some of the comparisons may not make a lot of sense to you. One of the reasons why I like BBWI is because they have a large and growing end market. You always want to make sure you have a good growing end market. Last year, sales were $6.4 billion. And that's between the three segments that I mentioned just a second ago. And that's only a fraction of the total market. They estimate that they only have a 3% share of the bath, body, and beauty industry. 3%. They have 22% of the home fragrance market and about 21% of the soaps and sanitizer market. So what I'm saying is I think they have plenty of room to grow. When you only have a 3% market share, well, adding another couple of percent, that's a huge number. If you're trying to grow like they are, then it makes sense to have that solid distribution strategy, and I think they do. Remember, they have that balance between the malls and the non-malls and the digital outlets, right? A third each. I think this balance lets them take part in two large themes in retail that are going on, which is a shift to digital and a move out of the malls. I think that's something that folks are going to be thinking more and more about here over the next couple of, year, couple of years. What I also like about them is that they have a strong set of products that They just don't let become stale. You know, they're constantly upgrading their formulas. They're redesigning their packages and labels to kind of keep up with the changing taste and the fashions. They release holiday products all the time, which a lot of people like to buy as gifts, as as well as they come up with new products too, right? So they have a good set of products here. And I think it's that their consistent quality and the variety of the products that encourages their daily use, which means, well, you got to replace them more often, which means more frequent purchases. You get the idea. Not only do they have a big end market and a well, well-known brand, but what I like about them is that I think that they can grow by increasing their spend per customer. Think about this. Last year, the average customer bought three times and they spend about $40 each time across seven different products. When you add this up, 
it comes to about $110 in annual, annual spend per customer. And that number has been growing over the last five years. And about half of the customers are returning year after year after year. I think that spend per customer is really going to be a key driver for them going forward. And they've been addressing that. They've been looking at that. And they've done, um, what they've done is they've actually developed a loyalty program. It's currently in four markets. I think it's four markets now. And they're planning on a full launch next year. As again, it's still a new, new program. But the early numbers are showing that the spend per customer is about 30% more for the loyalty members than the non-loyalty members. So if this program is a success, obviously that's going to drive the spend per customer up. Last year, it was a great year for BBWI for obvious reasons. We're all at home buying soaps and sanitizers, buying candles to make the house smell good. As a result, they had some terrific margins. They didn't have to run a whole lot of promotions and campaigns. And I would suspect that their margins come down from last year when they were a pretty hefty 28%. I think they come down to still maybe around 25%. And when you're generating 25% margins on this type of business, well, you're going to be generating some strong free cash flow. I, I love cash. When investors look at it, it may not look so great to them because they see declining margins. And I think that's really a risk here in the new near term because of uh, comparisons to last year, which was an anomaly. But here's the reason why I'm willing to look past that valuation. My estimate for them is that they earn about $5.50 per share this year and about $4.90 next year. And then you, and you go, whoa, you mean their earnings are going to go down next year? Again. Last year was a huge year and earnings should go down. But if you look at it, that's still 40% growth since 2019, or they're growing at 20% per year over the last three years. So with earnings at $5.50 per share, if I'm right, the stock is currently trading at about 11 times earnings. Compare that to other companies that are like them. The other Bed, uh, the, the beauty and bath category type companies. You have Cody, they're trading 23 times earnings. Estee Lauder's 45 times earnings. L'Oreal, 43. International Perfumes, 38 times. So the rest of the group is trading at much, much higher multiples, about twice of what BBWI is. And if they keep executing their strategy, I think you can see investors paying a lot more for their earnings. In other words, you get a re-rating of the stock and you see multiple expansion. I'm a buyer here at $67. Frankly, I hope it pulls back so I can add more. And I'll add more as long as the fundamentals don't change, of course. But if it pulls back, I, I'd add more. I will say that this is not a core type holding. It's a consumer stock. It's a consumer discretionary stock. It's not one that I'm going to go own forever. I want to make money, blow out the candle, and go home. Now, of course, you need to do your own research and see what you think, see if it makes sense for you and your portfolio. If you have any questions about 
the podcast or you want us to look over your portfolio or financial plan, you can always give us a call. The number is 571-261-7670. And uh, that's all we have for this week. So enjoy the final days of summer. I'll be back in two weeks. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. I'm Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. expressed during this podcast are those of the hosts that may not necessarily be those of XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.